Most people think they need a new resolution when what they really need is a higher resolution. Do you not realize that you are obsessed by the way you feel 24-7? If the only thing the enemy has to do is jack with some chemical reactions in your brain to get you to not be faithful to the Lord, you're an easy target. That's the part of the Bible that America has the hardest time to understand. Generational things that have nothing to do with them. It's a consumeristic society. Every person who has an issue with God, their issue is this. God is not as selfish as I would be. If I were God, I would have done it like this. And the reason they would have done it like that is because how it not going that way affected their life. There's no way God could conquer this world with love because all the other kings of the earth had conquered it with hate Yep, and fear. If you are pursuing God to try to get him to show up as if he's not there, then it's wrong. But if you're pursuing God because you know he's there, then it's a totally different deal. Go for it. Braden Harris, my friends. (laughs) This sort of stuff reaches way more people than you think it's going to. Um, And you never know what's going to do it. So I was just like, yeah, just really praying that the Lord would give us exactly what needs to be said for the people that are going to watch this episode, even years down the line. People that are not going to watch it when it drops, but people are going to watch it like way down the way. I'm just like, man. That's the power of YouTube, bro. It's like a time capsule. That's the one thing when I was first starting it Mm -hmm. i took for a grain i was like yeah i'm posting this upload and i want to press upload i just want to post videos right but these are going to live there forever forever and people three years down the road they're going to look back at this cole where he was what he was saying the Mm -hmm. words his maturity his character and if my words aren't reflecting that if i'm compromising just to post yes get more uploads yep that's going to come back and bite me in the butt five years down the road because you're sowing something all the time you're either sowing good or you're sowing things that are going to yeah, that, negatively, I mean, negatively represents you. When we're, when we, we're intentionally sowing, we're like, oh, that was a seed I sowed. But we don't realize, like, you're always <clears throat> sowing seed. You are always sowing seed. It's not just when it's the, oh, yeah, I'm going to sow this seed into y'all, or I'm going to sow this right. this word seed, or this financial seed, or this, like, act of service, or whatever it might be. We are always sowing seed. And that's one of the things I tell people is, like, if you're sowing wild oats, what do you think you're going to reap? Like you're like, oh, I'm just going to sow my wild oats. This season's whatever of my life. I'm just going to live it up. And then my 30s, I'll give my yeah. life to God fully. And I'm like, you really think if you sow your 20s in hell, you're going to reap a heavenly 30s? <laughs> like you are delusional. Uh, so yeah, anyway, there's no reason for that. No, no, none at all. So it's just like people think that there's no consequences. And it's like, I hate to inform you. There are. Now, Jesus has paid for the eternal consequences of your sin. For sure. But there are just natural consequences that, honestly, in my opinion, God has nothing to do with. It's just the laws that he's put into place, right? Like, it's it's not God doing it to you. God, like, uh, this idea, like, I I actually learned at Risen Nation was that this idea, well, God already has set laws in place that you can't get around. If you don't eat, you will be hungry. Yes. If you don't drink, you will be thirsty. Yes. Right? And even if you're fasting, whatever, yeah, you're gonna be hungry. Yeah, it doesn't matter, like, because God made it that way. Yep. So He doesn't, you know, He's not gonna undo one of His things that He set in stone just so that you can, you know, whatever you're thinking. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So yeah, no, this is not McDonald's. You don't get it your way. Yeah. Yeah. I had a a thought that I just y'all just made me. 
So his mom DM'd us a reel of Mike Todd. Yeah. And he was saying, like you just said, you can't miss out on eternal, like your eternal, your eternity is set in place. Yes. Your salvation is set in place. Yeah. But you can definitely miss out on blessings mm-hmm. in the everyday life based on the decisions you make, whether you're going to be obedient to God and uh, adhere to his call in your life. Without a doubt. Dude, I had a real deal where I was like, probably a year after I was saved, God's grace, God's grace, God's grace. I think we all go through that phase. Yeah, in terms of, not in terms of walking with sin, but I would just mess up small things in life. Right, right, right. I would have have an awkward conversation with somebody. Oh, it's all right, God's God's graceful for me. Or I would would not show up to work one day or show up 45 minutes late to work, um, not study for an exam, yeah, and show up to the exam and get a 55, and God's grace. I'm going to graduate because God's grace. Yeah. When really... Like there are real life consequences to the actions. Yes, God's grace is no sufficient, but we are called to actually apply ourselves to the utmost degree. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, you will actually miss out. Like I pretty much, I failed a class. My wow. um, now this, I I didn't fail a class for my grades. I failed because absences. Ah, uh, I had an eighty. You gotta be. There, I had an eighty five in the class. You gotta be there. Got some got some absences that cost me, but. That's a real life consequence that delayed my graduation by a whole mm-hmm. semester. Mm-hmm. Now you take that and you take it to the nth, nth degree mm-hmm. in severity to your marriage. Well, how to your many people is that? People? Literally, their story. I mean, I, I who knows where you're going to stick this footage in the thing because yeah. we're just already going. Oh, yeah. um, but how many people is that their story? Like they had everything inside of them in order to accomplish the call of God on their life. They just refused to show up. Like consistency is the key. To mm-hmm. success. I mean, you and I, we listen to a lot of the same stuff. I know you and I drink from a lot of the same wells as far as like, um, at least where we learn better ways to reach people online. And we want to be a student of this, not just haphazardly post videos. Right. You know, we want to, obviously it's the Lord who is the catalyst behind all of it. We want there to be an anointing on it, but there are like nuts and bolts to how well, do you turn on a camera? How do you turn on a light? And one of the things you and I hear all the time is, just be consistent, Mm -hmm. just show up. And I think that's ultimately that bleeds into every facet of life, but especially your walk with God is you just gotta show up. And and I look at it as the, it's more than just like, oh yeah, well, God's going to push it. God also helps you be consistent. God also helps you to find those nuggets. He wants to make you a skilled worker. So it's not just like, you know, of course it's God but it's gotten more than more facets than people think, right? Yes. It's not just, oh, well, he blesses also hard work. He blesses de- dedication mm-hmm. because that's part of his, like, I think that's part of the law that he made. Like, if you look through Proverbs, it's very clear about the people that work hard and what that you reap. Yes. Whenever you work hard, you reap, mm-hmm. right? So, and obviously there's there's an extra on this and extra on that, but, you know, I, I do look at it as, God puts that in you. God puts the hard work. God puts the consistency mm-hmm. in you whenever you're walking with him. And and that, that kind of allows you to be skillful. But yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I would say it like this. Preaching cowboy. You are preaching cowboy. You wrote that <laughs> one. You tied her up real good. <laughs> the way you said cowboy. You yeah. are preaching cowboy. Cowboy. I got Y a little bit on the end. Come on. <laughs> I got my draw. Foghorn leghorn. Anyway. I would say it like this, what, it, exactly what you just said, but I would say it like this. Grace is not the enemy of effort. Grace is the enemy of earning. 
And I think a lot of Christians confuse effort and earning and think they are synonymous as if they are the same thing. If I'm extending effort in my relationship with God, then that means I'm trying to earn my relationship with God. And grace is not opposed to effort. Paul says, the grace of God is at work within me. And guess what it caused me to do? Work even harder. Yes. Paul says, I worked harder with the grace of God than I ever did outside the grace of God. So grace is not an enemy of effort. Grace is an enemy of this idea that I have to earn God's favor. I have to earn God's blessing. I have to earn God's approval. Grace is completely antithetical to that because grace is the opposite of that, right? Right. It's the complete opposite. If you could earn it, it can no longer be called grace. Right. And yeah, I think Christians ought to put effort in to their relationship with God. Yeah, love the Lord your God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. Like, what does that look like? Do you think that looks like, you know, Lord, I don't know. I'm not feeling it today. I don't know. There's a part of me. No, it looks like, and I think that, I think the, the struggle with that scripture, I feel like with a lot of Christians is this idea that they step into striving the moment that they are really pursuing God. And I would put it like this. If you are pursuing God to try to get him to show up as if he's not there, then it's wrong. But if you're pursuing God because you know he's there, then it's a totally different deal. It's a totally different situation. You'll act totally differently the way way you go for it. Joel Braden Harris, my friends. (laughs) So good. I I rewind this. I'm, I'm sure this is somewhere in the podcast. Rewind it. Listen to what this man just said all over again. That was so good. Literally, so good. <laughs> I mean, if we're, we're speechless over here. Mic drop. If you could drop your mic, you would. I would, but I can't. Cause <laughs> yeah. it's Push up it on over. The stand, huh? no, <laughs> no, I, that's so good. I uh, yeah. I do want to. I was waiting for a stopping point to pray and actually kick off. Yeah. So welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Officially, we are launching this new episode. We are launching. I don't know why I use that word. We're starting a new episode, and today we got Keenan back on the pod. Yo yo um, yo. The goal and the 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 idea is to start getting them on more regularly hey. whenever we can. Hey, well, happy, uh, happy! I didn't get banned. Honestly, I'm happy I didn't get like make the uh, the the no fly list. You know what I mean? You like can't that. come back. List. We are never having that guy back on the podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you're far uh, from that. No, list. I, I I appreciate it, man. I'm pumped to be here. So yeah, today we, as you saw, we started the conversation. This is how we do. We just talk and we things just start rolling. Yeah. So we are. We just we have on and off camera. We have great conversations, and today. To start us off, I think a good topic, this podcast will probably be releasing in the middle of January sometime. So this is right around the time where New Year's resolutions are really going to get down and dirty, mm-hmm. getting the nitty gritty of, yeah. are we going to keep going? Are we going to not keep going? Yeah. Are New Year's resolutions even a good thing? I think that's a good place to really kick off. So Keenan, to the people who are making New Year's resolutions, what are your thoughts? My thoughts, man, where do we start? Um, I think I'll just, I'll just jump right into it, uh, right into the minutia. I think New Year's <clears throat> resolutions are a good thing. There's nothing wrong. A, a resolution just talks about being resolute, right? To um, decide something, be serious about it, and ultimately not even just decide, but to begin to make steps, game plan, have a vision, put things in place, boundaries, those sorts of things, right? Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I honestly think that's part of why many people don't end up accomplishing the call of God on their life, is they don't become resolute about what God has called them to do. I mean, one of my, oh man, 
One of my favorite things the Bible says of Jesus uh, concerning him going to the cross, it says this of him, that he set his face like flint. He did not budge. I am going to the cross. There were other things that he could have done. He could have called down legions of angels to bow him out of there, you know, and bail him out. Um, But the Bible literally says like, and that language is just so punk rock, right? It's just so like hardcore. He set his face like flint. And as far as for me and my wife, you know, this has always been kind of the way we look at things, but especially recently, um, we've really begun to put that verbiage to it that we are going to set our face like flint as far as the Clarks do the work of the ministry. That's what we do. The Clarks are going to die in the church, uh, like the Kenan and Beth Clarks are. We are going to live our life, come hell or high water, to build the kingdom of God. I don't care how many people screw us over. I don't care how many people walk away. I don't care how many prayers seem to not be answered. There is nothing that can pull us out of this thing. We have we we're we're hell bent, okay, on making hell empty. And you know, we've set our face like flint. That's kind of like the language we're using. So I don't think there's anything wrong with getting resolute. Here is what I think though. I think most people think they need a new resolution when what they when what they really need is a higher resolution. And let, let, me, like, let me kind of break that down. There's obviously the resolution that means like you're going to do something. But then there's another term, resolution, which speaks to the clarity of an image. Now, right 4K, now- 4K 1080p, baby. 4K 1080p. <laughs> Listen to me. If you are watching this podcast right now and it looks grainy as all get out, can I just politely encourage you, Turn on 4K, okay? Bump up the resolution. Especially on your phone when it says it it turns it on auto 360p. Yeah, no, no. Go in there, hit the quality, and bump it up to that 4K image, okay? Because there's nice equipment on this podcast. That resolution is available even though you're not using it. I think a lot of Christians, they don't need a new image. They need a higher resolution, right? And so one of the things for 2022, God dropped that word in my heart at the beginning of 2022. Keenan, you don't need a new image. You need a higher resolution of the image you already have. Really what it was, was God telling me, you just need a higher resolution of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You need a high death picture of who he is. And I think many Christians get, they get, we get this, what's the word I'm looking for? We get this poverty mentality right? We get a poverty mindset, maybe physically, like financially, we get a poverty mindset. But I think more often than not, we get a poverty mindset when it comes to how much of the presence of God we can have, that I'm okay with just kind of getting by. I'm okay with just kind of like my spiritual bank account being like, I don't really know where it's going to be at when I wake up in the morning. I'm kind of scared to even open my spiritual Wells Fargo account. You know what I mean? You ever been there, like scared to open your actual Wells Fargo account? (laughs) I have. Okay. Uh, yeah, we all and, have. And, you know, I was there last week. And so... <laughs> more reason than I like to admit. More reason than I like to admit. My Venmo's down below. I'm just joking. <laughs> I can agree. But, but I think a lot of Christians, they have a poverty mindset when it comes to how much of God they're allowed to have. And Jesus came to beat to death, literally in his body, what stood between us and the full access to the presence of God. I mean, that's why when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible speaks of the veil being torn in two. And it wasn't torn from the bottom to the top. It was torn from the top to the bottom, as if to say, 
I'm the one tearing the veil. God wanted man to know this was not your doing. You did not make a way for yourself in here. I tore the veil. I opened the door. Now you can have free access to the holy of holies, right? And I think just so many of us, we think we need a new Bible study. We think we need a new church. We think we need a new small group. We think we need a new Bible because this translation just sucks. You know, I need something that speaks my language. You don't need a new thing. You need the same thing you had last year, but you need to see it at a higher resolution. Saying, God, let me, let me see you more clearly. I need clarity. I need, I need there to be a vividness that wasn't there before. And so, again, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a resolution. I just think so many times we're searching for something new because it's a new year, but it's the same God. Yeah. I, I was actually listening to a sermon yesterday uh, by Eric Gilmore. Shout out to him. And he was talking about just kind of the same thing. That, But what he was saying was that you think you get to a good spot and then you get a, a little bit of a brighter picture of Jesus and then it just, and you're like, Oh boy. Like yeah. every time I you 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 ever get to a point where you're like, man, I'm think I'm doing good. And then he just puts a little bit of his light and his glory and you're like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. There's so much deeper to go. Yeah. And that's really all we're doing. That's all sanctification is, is getting a clearer picture of who Jesus is. Yeah. And then our life is immediately changed by knowing more and more about Jesus and just knowing Jesus more. <clears throat> you know, not not just about him, but knowing him more. Yeah. I think Jesus, and I'll say this, I I feel this strong for somebody watching this podcast right now. I just want to even prophetically say this. I I don't usually throw out that language um, because I think it's a sacred thing to say something is prophetic, but I feel this strong. God is not okay with you living off of his backside. He's not. He did not send his face, which is Jesus, to the planet for you to continue to be okay with living off his backside. Before Jesus, the backside of God was quite literally the best we could have. We see it Moses in the old covenant. He's like, God, let me see your, your glory. And God literally has to put Moses inside of a rock and tell Moses, I can't let you see my face, but I will let you see my passing backside. The reason God did that is not because God's like, you're, you're not cool enough to get into like seeing me in my full glory. It's because Moses quite literally would have died seeing the full face of God. So he sticks him in a rock and then God walks by and Moses sees his passing backside. And that was the clearest picture anyone had ever seen. That was the best. That was the best day anyone had ever had with God before Jesus shows up. And God says, I'm no longer okay with my people living off my backside. I want them to see my face. And that's why Colossians says of Jesus that he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is exactly what God has to say about himself. He's not part of what God has to say about himself. He is exactly what God has to say about himself. Whenever you're going to invite God to be on your podcast and you ask for his bio, he sends you Jesus, okay? That's quite literally who Jesus is. Jesus is God's bio. It's everything about him. He's not the good side of God. Right. And that's what many of us believe. It's true. We think Jesus is the good side of God. Jesus is the nice side of God. But then there's that wrathful, vengeful, other side. Old Testament God. Old Testament God. 
And that's where we think. Like, we think somewhere between Malachi and Matthew, which is Malachi's the last book of the Old Testament. He grew Matthew, up. God grew that, up. That God, God got counseling, or God <laughs> popped some pills, or like God did something to like change his mood. Like, God got saved, and now he's a new person. You know, he's really, the sanctification process has really begun. We can see the first fruits. No, it's we changed. God did not change between Malachi and Matthew. Our relationship with him changed. We were eking off his backside. And I'll take this a step further, and then I'll let you talk, Cole, because I know I'm going on and on about this. Keep going, brother. The woman with the issue of blood. Yeah. She's lived for 12 years in isolation. Yep. She sneaks into the crowd, not wanting to be noticed. She grabs the hem of his garment, gets healed on the spot. The woman has her healing. She got what she came for. So now she's beginning to leave. But the Bible says this, but Jesus turned around. Yeah. She's gotten her healing. What, what, what else is there to do? But Jesus said, I'm not okay with you sneaking a healing off my backside. I came for you to look me right in the face. Man, I got the Holy Ghost goosebumps right now. God is not okay with people sneaking blessings off his backside. And that's what I believed for years, that mm-hmm. the best I could ever have was the crumbs that fall from the master's table as we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Man, man, God's just looking for some people with some faith to say, I believe you're big enough to show me your face. I mean, that's what the Bible says. John chapter one, mm-hmm. John starts his gospel, his prologue with in the beginning was God and the word was with God. Yeah. That word with, it's the word pros. Mm-hmm. It means face to face. That in the beginning, the father and the son were face to face. And that is what Jesus came to bring us back to. Whereas where we could stand face to face. You know what it really, you know what pros really means? It doesn't just mean face to face. It means mouth to mouth. Mm-hmm. Interesting. A kissing picture almost that God is bringing us back into this intimate place mm-hmm. with him. And he did that through a man named Jesus. Come on. Keep going. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Come on, that's the, Come on that, Lord that, and Savior. Like, but isn't that, the, isn't that the interaction we see God first have with humanity? Yeah. The very, oh, wow. the very, what, what did Adam wake up to? The face of God. Uh, yeah, the Jesus, face yeah, of God. Yeah, yeah. God going so mouth to mouth with Adam. That yeah. was Adam's first human experience. Mouth yeah. to mouth with God. And we yeah. think that we have to live off his backside. Well, I'm I, here to call it baloney. <laughs> I, so when Jesus says in the garden, or correct me on this, the joy set before him, he went to the cross for the joy. Was that in the garden we said for the joy set before That's him? That's in Hebrews okay. that talks about it was for the joy set before him that okay. Christ endured the cross. So Hebrews chapter 12, I believe. So I think. When he, it's Hebrews. For the, when he had that joy going, before, when he was set before him, was he thinking about us? I believe that was his joy on the on the when he was going to go to the cross. It's what Braden prayed. I mean, I don't know if that prayer made it into the podcast, but we prayed before we started this, just so you know. <laughs> and what Braden prayed, we want you to receive your reward. What's his reward? The 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 you know that the lamb would receive his reward. It's us. Heaven is not your reward. You being in heaven is Jesus's reward. Yeah. And are you singing a song? The Lamb, because you just quoted the the Lamb by Elevation Worship and Tiffany Hudson. Hey, well, I didn't know. <laughs> Literally, but there word we go. for word, the Lamb, because it says the Lamb will receive His reward yep. in me, and Come let on. the Lamb let the Lamb receive His reward. Then the next line talks about let us let the Lamb receive His re- reward in me. Well, and I it's talking about the joy it, set. The joy. Who sings it? 
Elevation Worship and Tiffany Hudson. We literally just quoted the joy set before him. Mm -hmm. What's he thinking about me? What he prayed and what you just said was the song. Wow. We need to please. We need to make a realization. Yeah, share this, please. (laughs) Please do. We love Pastor Stephen. But um, yeah, no, I think when he said the joy set before him, I don't want to go too far and and make it too far of a stretch and say the joy set before him. So now we can have joy set before us in kind of full circle with New Year's resolutions. I don't want to go that far, but I would say in terms of New Year's resolution, it's a good thing to have goals and to go into seasons where you want to. It's about having the right goals. Exactly. Habakkuk says, write the vision and make it plain so that he who reads it can run. There's an important thing. I mean, the Bible speaks of write down what you plan to do. Write down what it is God put in your heart so that anyone who reads it, and ultimately you're the one that needs to come back and read it so that he who reads it can run. I just, I think just to put it practically, having these, make a new, learn a new skill to use for the Lord. Lose weight to... Glorify honor the Lord. to honor my to honor Temple. the Lord with my body. Yeah. To all these things, I think just to keep it simple, a lot of people have these New Year's goals, and it's not bad to set goals, whether it's January first, December thirty first, or May first. Mm. Yeah. Just refine those goals and those resolutions in a way that's intentionally in the way you're writing them down, because most of the time we write them down and put them in our notes or something that they're verbally written in a way that centers them or focuses them towards Jesus. I think yeah. that's by, so smart. By just Barely rewording them, adding a few words yeah. to honor God with my body if you want to lose weight. Yeah. Just adding those three, four words are going to make probably the success of that infinitely more greater because you're doing it unto God mm-hmm. and it's going to be more sustainable because you're not just doing it for self-help. Because that's what a lot of things, the, the, the New Year's resolutions can be. It's just a self-help yes. type environment. That's co- it's, just a, it's just a time for self-help. It's a time to call it what it is, my It's crap. a time that all the things you're not good at. Let me just put all my willpower and energy with the new year combined to yeah. propel me into a life of that's a point I want to get improvement. Into. A point I wanted to get into is that with a New Year's resolution, discipline will only take you so far. Yeah. And it's the same way with the Lord. Start like when I started following God, there were so many things that started as discipline and over time, it became relationship, and it was even bliss, right? So even in whatever you're doing, even if it's a hard thing, say you wanted to do better about working out, it's probably going to be a failing project. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. If you don't have you know, the right way, if you're striving with it, and it takes complete discipline the whole time, and I think Jesus is the only thing that can take striving out of your life. Here's my thought process too. I'm the type of person, this is how my brain functions. What's the point? What's the point of being James Harden and scoring 30 points a game when right now he's on the Philadelphia 76ers and he's basically an outcast now? He was once right. on the Houston Rockets, MVP guy. Now they treat him like he's kind of, like there's a there's a lower of his value in three years, yeah. let alone in 20 years when they see him and they're like, oh, who's James Harden? Right. Or in 100 years, they're not even going to know who Keenan Clark Cole Harris or Keenan Vision right. Claude Brain yeah. Harris is. Right. That's how my brain works. So ultimately, the New Year's resolution of you losing weight will fail because you're going to be 80 years old one day, Lord willing, and you're going to be wrinkly, small, and out yeah. of shape. That's how my brain works. Bro, so so to shift this perspective, the only way to make it successful in my mind is this is going to be a unique season in honoring God with your body and losing weight that you have an intimacy with Him mm-hmm. and, and 
walking through a challenge with him and for him. And the only thing that can last, the treasure, the gold that's going to be pulled when everything else falls away is that intimacy you had yeah. with him in this journey. I think yeah. you have to, I think at that point you have to define what is the win. If there's a goal, there's a win, right? So what is the win? What's, what, what do I call success? in this regard, right? In yeah. this category. I mean, because most of us, we think more clicks, more views, right. more money, more whatever, more, 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 more eyes on me, more, yeah, like more people funding what I'm doing, like more acclaim, more more claps, more uh, you know, accolades, all that stuff. Um, and in all honesty, if, if we were to apply that strategy, which honestly, sadly, is the Western evangelical system's yep. idea of a win. Yep. Right. Our Western evangelical world defines a win based on how many butts are in our seats, how many dollars are coming in on the text to give. Right. Oh, yeah. And we define the win according to that. How many campuses did we start this year? Yep. According to all modern evangelical standards, Noah was an absolute failure. Noah was a failure because Noah bu- lived his whole life building something only eight people were interested in. And guess who number eight was? Noah. So only seven other people were interested in. Noah, by all modern evangelical standards, was an absolute failure, but he was faithful in the eyes of God, and he was able to save his family from what was coming. I want to say this. If you're New Year's, this is a little bit of a shift from what you're saying. No, go for it. Amen. Let me affirm you real quick. Amen to that. Can we just get a round of applause? If you're watching, give a round of applause, but I'm going to shift the subject here. If your New Year's resolution is anywhere centered around social media, yeah, followers, likes, I learned something that changed my life. It changed my perspective. I'm not going to say changed my life. I don't want to be dramatic, but it changed my perspective. People who have OCD and their cleanliness, yeah. OCD is a matter where you can't function. You just got to go, 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 go until you complete this task, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're OCD in terms of cleaning, if their house is dirty, they're going to make it spotless, but there's an arrival destination to that OCD, which is a perfectly clean house. Right. What social media does is you have that OCD mentality, but no matter how much you go, you never accomplish the task like someone who's OCD with cleaning. Mm-hmm. You're just the rat in the wheel going like this, like this, like this, like Dang. this. And that realization made me realize because And that's not me just kind of throwing some theory out there. It's actually fact. Because when you get likes, you get follows, you get 10,000 followers. We're at 7,500 followers. Every person is looking at the 10,000, the 20,000, the 100,000. There's never a point when specifically social media, it ends. Yeah. But it's, it's, and this was a neuroscientist that talked about the social media because the social media algorithm is like gambling. Mm, It's a lot. It's like slots, blackjack, you just go, you go, you go, and then you see a reel you like, and you're like, oh, I like that, and then you yeah. keep going, and it's like hitting a slot, hitting a blackjack. You're like, oh, I like that, so you keep playing, you keep playing, oh, I like that, you keep playing, you keep playing, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is you never arrive at a destination. The only thing that social media feeds is the activity of scrolling, Right. which is my, it's kind of mind-boggling because you OCD with cleaning house. You arrive at the clean house, but you don't arrive at anything with the social media, mm. which is why addiction to social media is so prevalent. Yeah. Again, that's pretty abstract, but I don't think that's a complete departure from what I'm saying because eventually you got to get satisfied in if only eight people are interested in what we're doing. Yeah. I'm being faithful to the call. It's yeah. not 
oh, now we hit 10,000. Okay, we need 20,000. Because I promise you, if, if you're empty at 10,000, you will be more empty at 20. Oh, 100%. And then even more empty at 30 because you've had to expend more of yourself and you're seeing this isn't it. The itch is never satisfied. Satisfied. I was going to say scratched, but you know what I mean? I, scratisfied, there's a word. <laughs> but the itch is never scratched, you know? And that's the thing is like, you know, I'm at almost 60,000 right now. If I were to look at social media as like this thing where it's like it's, if the more followers I have, yeah, yeah, then it's all about me. It's all about me becoming some household name and me being the guy that everybody loves to listen to, which it's not about for me at all. It's about me mm-hmm. trying to help as many people as possible. Yep. But I mean, I've been that guy before, man, in, in previous seasons on that last account, and it's exhausting. And there's never enough followers. There's never enough retweets. There's never enough shares. There's yep. never enough your amazings. There's never enough attaboys. There, there's never enough. Most of the time I come across people, there's two kinds of people. People that Jesus is enough through everything or Jesus is enough through nothing. Yeah. Because you can, your circumstances might change. You might get this, you might get that. But usually it ends up being the same person before success versus after success. Regardless, yeah. you know, whatever success is on your, your spectrum, let's just call it worldly success, right? Which in most people's view, uh, you know, that's followers, this, that. If you don't have the right view of that, it's emptiness, obviously. Yes. You know, it's so empty. And, you know, I think we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but the right perspective to have if you're growing, you know, in media or whatever is these people I want to affect these people's lives. Mm. And you should get excited about that. Yes. The more people you're affecting, that is something you are allowed to get excited about. Right. Because you're doing a good thing for people. Mm-hmm. Not because, well, I'm growing my people. I'm growing my I'm growing my this. I'm growing my that. It's I'm affecting these people in a like these people are getting to know Jesus and it's through what we're doing. We should be passionate about that and excited about that. Without a doubt. You know? I know somebody they own a business and they did over a million dollars in revenue. Wow. And I was talking to them and they basically were at a breaking point and they said, when I look back at me building this successful business, I cannot look back at all the work I did, the years of work culminating to the point where we were successful doing a million dollars revenue. I can't look back on this, mo- on my impact on this earth and say I did something positive. Wow. I had the similar realization when i was hustling doing videography uh this past year in 2020 around the time when we stopped doing the podcast i filled that time with hustling doing work and chasing money and i made a little bit of money right but i looked up and i said i could make all this money do all these videos but i can't actually say that this is what i'm supposed to be doing or i'm actually making a difference on this earth i'm gonna make seven million videos in my lifetime and if none of them are about Jesus, then what truly mm-hmm. did I do on this earth? Because so the moth will come and steal, I'm sorry, the moth will destroy, I don't know the verse quoted, you may know it, the mo- firm. The, the monetary wealth, the yeah. moth will destroy it. Yeah, where, yeah. So if we do things for monetary wealth, there is no in-game, in-game satisfaction you can find in it's that. moth and rust? Yeah. Moth and rust. Yeah. Moth and rust. So I just thought that was interesting that this person with 
who who runs a business with a that does a million dollars in revenue said I that to me, and I, I think that speaks for itself. And yeah, I think the same is it, the same is true with a million followers. I mean, oh, you million dollars or a million followers, it does not matter because you are meant to live for one, and if you're not living for that one, yeah. everything's off. And it's something I've said on this podcast that why do you think suicide rates are so high among the most popular people? True. It's because they come to a place where they realize, oh, it didn't fill me. Right. And they're depressed, dis- and then they're like, if, what else do I have then? What else do I have to live for? I've already achieved it. Most people stay sane because they're trying to grow, and they never do actually get to that peak point. They never get to that Justin Bieber, Kanye West point, right, right. where everyone knows. Because exi- then it's like, oh, it really is nothing. Because right. they can they can realize it because mm-hmm. they actually experience it. Yeah, and, and then the thing I, I want people to understand is this, and I think I talked about this recently, but the call of your life is going to take your whole life. And that's where we get tripped up. Like I'm, you know, approaching 28, right? In my head, I'm like, I should be doing this by now. I should be preaching at these places by now. I should be here by now. And because I, those are dreams in my heart. Those mm-hmm. are like promises I have felt from the Lord and honestly have had prophetic words from trusted prophetic voices yeah. speak into me. And the Lord has had to remind me over and over that the call of your life will take your whole life to accomplish. And God is a God of generations. You know what he promised Abraham? He, he fulfilled in Isaac. What he mm-hmm. promised Isaac, he fulfilled in Jacob. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and still going to this day, you know? Um, and so I think what people have to get in their heart is to be okay with where God has you. Yeah. Unless you're somewhere God doesn't have you. Then it's okay to not be okay with where you're at. If you have driven your life to, to a place that God never, you know, typed in the coordinates for you and said, go and like, here's the route, you know? It, that's when it's okay to start getting a little irritated with where I'm at. But let that irritation drive you back to the one who should have been calling the shots all along. Mm-hmm. Don't let it send you into some weird sick spiral to where you go further and further away from the Lord. I like what you said about Moses. That made me think about a cool point because Moses didn't go into the promised land. No, he did not. Which is crazy. Wasn't allowed. I think a lot of people are about not love God, love others, love God, love me. They love God. But a lot of people would love me too. And I and mm-hmm. you look at Moses, he didn't get to experience the promise of God, but his people went over and into the promised land. So God was working, but he didn't get to directly experience that aspect of the promise, that, right? That's the part of the yeah. Bible that America has the hardest time to understand. That, is generational things that have nothing to do with them. Because it's an individual like it's that. an individualistic society. Yeah. It's a consumeristic society where we're Gimme, 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 gimme. It's yeah. about me, me, me. Even like, you know, every other point in time, kids would be in their parents' house for their whole life. They wouldn't turn eighteen and and roll out. So mm. it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get me. I'm gonna have me and me and mine. You know what I yeah. mean? Type of deal. Here, so here, here's the thing. Like, I think the Bible speaks to that because the Bible says this: that a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Mm-hmm. So not just his children but his children's children. Most of us are just asking God to give us enough money to like let our wives be happy with their lives and our kids have nice clothes and live in an okay house so that we're not an embarrassment to the family name or whatever. Yeah. We're not believing God for what God said a righteous man should leave 
And that's an inheritance so large that it affects not just your children, but your grandchildren. Yeah. Right? And that's where that's where the Jews have this so much better than us yes. Gentiles, right? The Jews, they're so gangster, man. They expect blessing. And it's not arrogance. They know they have a covenant with God. Jewish people walk around, I expect to be blessed today. I expect people to just open doors for me. I expect things to just happen because God's on my side. We have been grafted in to that by grace. That's what Paul talks about over and over and over, yeah. that we were the family that God that's extended the, the invitation the, the to. Minis- the, that's the mystery exactly. of the gospel is that we were grafted that in. That we were grafted in. Nobody saw it coming, but it was always what God wanted, right? Why don't we? We think it's arrogance to expect God to bless us. That's not arrogance. It's, it's ultimately false humility to think that, Oh God, I'm just, you know, is God really glorified by you living out a meager little sad, pathetic existence? He is not glorified by that. Nobody's watching YouTube videos about sad, meager little people. People want to see people doing crazy stuff. People want to see people doing bigger things than they can talk, than they can think of or ask or imagine. And that's what God says he wants to do. Bigger than you can ask, think, or imagine. The Bible says that the plans of God have not come into the hearts of man, no, nor the mind of, a, uh, of humans. Those are the things God has planned for those who love him. And those are the things we are terrified to ask of because we're still living on his backside, because we're still, we still have this poverty mindset with how God can use us. That was one of the things God had to break off of me, man, was a poverty mindset of how I could be used for the kingdom. Yeah. I used to feel like you know I had these big things. Of course, I'd want to be used by God. But I'm like, I'm Keenan Clark. I'm from San Angelo, Texas. Everyone always calls it San Antonio. You know, everyone says, oh, you're from San Antonio. No one even knows where I'm from. God, how could you use me? And God had to go, you have, God had to show me, you have a poverty mindset with how I can use you. You expect the least, you expect minimum because you're not, some, you're not from a metropolis. You're not from the metropolitan, you know, busybody area. And God says, I've always used obscure places to grow my biggest leaders. They said, what good can come from Galilee? What good can come from Nazareth? The only thing we can call good (laughs) came from that place that they said, what good can come from there? God has always used the people from the sticks. I mean, look at um, Gideon. He says, I'm the least in the tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least in this tribe. But my tribe is is the least. And then Mm. I'm the least of the least tribe. And God says, that's who I want to use. And God had to break that poverty mindset off of me, man. And he still is, I'll be honest with you. He still is, but slowly but surely, um, he's using me more. When you were talking about Moses, we were talking about Moses and the, the biggest struggle of our generation, me not being the direct beneficiary, made me think about, I watched this movie Burnt, B-U-R-N-T. It's about a chef. Bradley Cooper plays the main character. Oh, cool. And you know chefs in this movie, they're arrogant, big, egotistical guys who they're running the biggest restaurants because we know chefs when they're at a certain level, like Gordon Ramsay, they oh, own yeah. their own restaurants. Like they're the real deal. It's that type of movie. Yeah. Well, this guy, he ends up being on the top then goes on drugs and has this life crash, right? Three years later, he comes and he has this conversation with the guy and he's trying to get back in the restaurant business to get his third star. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm saying? This guy said something that kind of shook me. I'm like, dang, he said, Bradley Cooper, whatever the guy's name, Bradley Cooper, do you not realize that you are obsessed by the way you feel 24-7? Wow. And I said, and I was watching the movie, I was like, 
oh gosh, <laughs> because like that's how I'll be the culprit. Like I was out for one point of my life. It's a tendency of mine. Yeah. How am I feeling? We we time our caffeines. If I have this caffeine at this time of day, then I'll be good for this. Or when you're drinking alcohol back in the day before I was saved, like I got to get to the perfect little peak of drunkness, but not too drunk, but bad drunk. You know, like we're just, that's just real talk, real, real examples, plus many more that we can time. But we're obsessed by the way we we feel. And another part of it is flow state. You know, mm. have you ever heard of flow state? Yeah. Flow state, LeBron talks about flow state and he says, that's what makes, that's what every he says elite, but anybody who's creative, athletic, anybody who's in any genre right. or career chases after is when you're working and it doesn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. You get in that flow state and you're playing basketball and he, he says after the game he could play for another two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there on my laptop and I'm creating and I feel like I could edit for eight days straight. You get in that flow state and you're just locked in. And if you have experienced it before, you know what it is. And it's really what you when you're doing what you love. Right. The problem I have come across in my own life is understanding how fallible I am. I'll be sitting there and I'm in flow state and I'm I'm editing for four or five hours. I'm hungry. Gosh, like why am I hungry? God, I just want to stay in this moment forever. Or God, I'm I'm, I'm tired. Or God, I drink my caffeine and 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 I'm I'm locked in for a while. But then I get tired because you only have four to five hours of mental capacity per day, and then your mind gets tired because we're not God. We're we're bound by human flesh. We're right. about the sin. The body is. Our bodies are limited because of the sin present in our lives today. And all this like flow state and time in your caffeine and just emotionally obsessed by the way we feel 24-7. And that was back to what I was saying about we love God and me. Yeah. And I don't know. It was just a thought I had. That was a real rough no. thought. but or no, abstract no, I thought. Think, no, I think you hit it. You are obsessed with how you feel 24-7. And that's a horrible place to live. Um, I mean, ultimately, again, it is you worshiping your feelings. It's you worshiping your own existence. Um, and at that point, your Bible time, your time with the Lord is subject to however you feel. Like, yeah. do I feel like doing it? Do I not? And that's why most of yeah. the time, if the only thing the enemy has to do is jack with some chemical reactions in your brain to get you to not be faithful to the Lord, you're an easy target. Some people will be like, what's wrong with me? You haven't eaten all day. Right. Why am I depressed? Your health is absolutely horrid. Yes. You haven't worked out in two weeks. You haven't seen the sun in three. And health is so much bigger than, you know, cellulite and fat and muscle. Okay. There is a cellular health, right? And that's one of the things my wife is constantly educating me on. My wife is crunchy. Okay. If you don't know what crunchy is, think granola. And then the inner, like you went past granola. It's the and inner, you're now it's the in inner circle of granola. Yeah, it's the inner circle. <laughs> she is in the inner circle. And slowly but surely, she is beckoning me, wooing me, seducing me into that inner circle. Okay. <laughs> she is leading me there quickly, right? Would you elaborate on what crunchy is? Yes. Crunchy is basically just like you're all about everything's organic. I mean, we have an organic mattress, right? It's not just organic food, it's like organic stuff. Like, Anything that touch because your skin is your largest organ, right? So you Amen, want the brother. things that go on your skin to be organic and not have a ton to, <laughs> ton of toxins and stuff. Don't laugh, let's, okay? Let's I'll ride. have to punch you on behalf of my wife. I'm joking, but I think health has so much more to do within with more to do than just your physical appearance, right? It's more than biceps. It's more than pecs. It's more than glutes. It is on a cellular level. Are you actually taking care of your temple? 
are you supporting yourself? Funny to say, my cholesterol is slightly elevated. Really? Because I eat so much French fries. Yeah. And French fries are fried and probably the worst thing possible on your plate yeah. to eat. But let me, let me say this one thing. Let me say this one thing. Talking about what you're saying about quality of life. Yeah. Time with God. One, one, thing, one thing a person told me that was really impactful is she doesn't get on her phone for the first hour of the day because she doesn't want to start her day in a rush. And that's something that I, so I do a lot. You get on your phone and you start answering emails. You start working. But starting her first hour just with God on a walk in the peace of her mind, giving her time to wake up and just have rest, peace of mind, scheduling peace of mind. And then also things like working out, having relationships with other people. Mm -hmm. So many people I know are working very hard. They're very successful at business, but they aren't in relation. They don't have friends. Yeah. Like we can't sacrifice like social media is a copyright version of relationship. That's you know what dang. I'm saying? Like you gotta get out there and meet people, have real experiences in real life, and that is sucking the life out of you. Even me, like I'll be in my editing cave for a while and I'll be like, I don't feel good. I need to go hang out with people. Yeah. Like I need to get out of my cave and go go see people. Because all of these things add up to a healthy lifestyle, working out, peace of mind, getting in the word, right. um, having real life relationships with people, bearing in one of those burdens, all of these things culminating to a healthy lifestyle yeah i heard something recently um that the that very bad, huh? that was pretty good that was, I don't a know, I don't know. that was pretty good i heard something recently that the very first thing you see when you wake up in the morning and the very last thing you see when you go to bed at night whatever those like that that first 15 minutes of your day the last 15 minutes of your day let's call it that i don't remember the exact amount of time but that dramatically impacts where your brain goes throughout the day even obviously you can intentionally send your brain a certain place but so much your brain just goes places right your brain's just going wherever it goes the first 15 minutes of your day and the last 15 minutes of your day and here's the sad thing for most people the first 15 minutes of their day is full of news they're turning on the news they're checking their phone they're getting on their feed or they're just literally watching the news and most people the last 15 minutes of their day is either borderline pornographic images on Netflix or straight up pornography on their phone. It's true. And we wonder why we're in a constant state of panic. And we wonder why we feel so dark. It's because you are filling yourself with things that only come from a dark place. You think God is really behind you knowing every little catastrophic detail of what is going on in the world? I mean, that honestly, I'm a big proponent of, I do not think human beings are supposed to know about every catastrophe and crisis that goes on in the world. I think only God has the emotional capacity to handle knowing in real time how the world is falling apart. Yeah. I think we, we, we do, we have enough on our plate as it is just handling each other and handling ourselves. True. Not only to take in, oh, another shooting, oh, another bomb, oh, another you know, plague, oh, another earthquake, oh, another wildfire. Like, w we can't handle that. And I don't think, I genuinely don't think we were ever supposed to know how much crap was going on on a daily basis. I mean, when you look, when you look at the news, the basis of what they do, good, good, good feel good stories don't sell. No. The, their method to reach and get their numbers and meet their quota to make money is built on controversy, stirring up strife. Why do why do the most clickbaity titles that we look on the um, on the magazines at the 
H E B. Yeah, what yeah, are those called? Tabloids. Yeah, they're all the most controversial and clickbaity to stir an emotion to make you focus on what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. and that's they pretty much. I would even go as far to say is they use fear as a method to get their ratings because they're Without just projecting. You don't see them projecting this good Samaritan save this cat off the tree like Superman in one of the movies for this mm-hmm. old lady. No, you don't see that. And what I've realized is that when you start your day anxious, like watching news and stuff like that, it is very hard to then unwind that anxiety, yeah, especially when it happens at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah. Your day is therefore going to be anxious and you can, you know, I spend time in prayer and I spend time unwinding that, you know, now, but for a lot of people, they're they're starting their day with the news, and they're wondering why they're anxious till five p.m., five thirty, mm-hmm. and they're having trouble, you know, going to work and having several conversations with people, yeah. or they're getting in fights with their coworkers about yeah. politics because yeah. you're sowing that seed in your heart every single morning. Yep, the enemy is always going to try to get you to get you to do the opposite of whatever it is you're supposed to do. Right? He will only ever try to get you to do the opposite. It's not even, I want you to do a good thing, but slightly off. His ultimate goal is to get you to the the complete opposite, right? The antithesis of whatever it is God wants you to do. I'll just briefly go into this. We're not going to turn this into a dating or relationship deal, but I'll briefly go into this because I am a married man and I think I can speak to this. When you are dating, all the enemy wants you to do is take your clothes off. When you're dating, that's all the enemy is telling you. Take your clothes off, take your clothes off, take your clothes off, take your clothes off. When you're married, it changes. The enemy starts going, keep your clothes on, keep your clothes on, keep your clothes on, keep your clothes on. It's always, I mean, his voice instantly shifts to whatever the opposite of what God would have you do. In, in marriage, sex is beautiful. In marriage, uh, the, that sort of physical connection and intimacy is vital. It's not just encouraged. It is a necessity, all right? A marriage cannot survive without that. That is one of the pillars. It's not the only thing, but it's one of the big ones, right? But that's why the enemy does that. And when you're dating, it's always take your clothes off, take your clothes off. And the second you get married, it's keep your clothes on, keep your clothes on. Don't touch each other. Don't kiss. Always stirring up stuff to get you out of the mood. Always stirring up stuff to try to get you apart from one another. It's because the enemy only wants you to do the opposite of whatever it is the Lord is asking of you that will lead to the life he's called you to live. The more I read scripture, God has desires that don't happen, yet he still knows what's going to happen, Yeah. right? So he, he allowed free will. So what happens is, even though he does know what's going to happen, his desires don't always happen. Here's evidence. He says, I desire that none would be lost. Mm-hmm. Guess what? People are lost. He, even though his desire, what, what he did when he allowed free will was that his desire wouldn't always happen, mm-hmm. even though he does know what's going to happen. Does that make sense? Without a doubt. So I just wanted to say, like, I think, and it does answer a question that a consistent question for people and like God knowing what's going to happen. Well, what does he want? He can want something, but whenever he allowed free will, that's a law he created was that man would choose, right? And they Mm. would, they would make the wrong decisions right? that could cost them. Or that they could make the wrong decision. Exactly. They have exactly. the freedom to do they, so. And they have the freedom whether or not they want to do so. So right. anyway. And that is where we get into that weird thing of, is God calling all the shots and everything that happens, is that God's will or is it completely free will? Now, I do believe there is a sovereign will of the Lord. Right. But the Lord in his sovereignty has allowed there to be free will. 
He has subjected, I'll say this, and I'm going to get some hate for this, but the Lord has subjected his free will or his sovereignty, excuse me, to include our free will. And the Lord allows things to happen. I mean, it's the classic question, does God always get what God wants? I believe the answer is no. And the the scripture I would use to back it up is the exact one you brought up. It is God's will that none should perish. It is God's will that none should be lost. Yet we know, we know, and people are pushing up against this like never before, but there are going to be people in hell. It's because God has- There are. In his, when he created man in the beginning of creation in Genesis, he graced us in his beauty. He created humans with the ability to turn away. Yeah. Instead of making mere extensions of him, robots- Mm-hmm. He gave us the ability to make decisions, which results in a higher form of worship. If somebody out of their free will selects, hey, I acknowledge you, Jesus, out of my free will, that is a higher worship than a robot saying, or like him telling a robot, you have to worship me. Yeah, exactly. So that, it's the way he created us that leads to that conclusion. Because if, we're made in his image. Exactly. If God made us without free will, then he would have needed us and not wanted us, mm-hmm. right? If he, if he made us so that we could only worship him, that would mean he needs these. He needs human humans. Uh-huh. God doesn't need us. He wants us. He desires us. Yes. Everybody's everybody's problem with God. Here it is. I'm gonna boil it down. Every person who has an issue with God, their issue is this: God is not as selfish as I would be. That's their problem with God. God, why aren't you more selfish? Because re- they don't ask it that way, but that's what they're asking, right? right? They're imposing their They're imposing, if I were God, I would have done it like this. And the reason they would have done it like that is because how not, it not going that way affected their life, yep. right? I'm mad it didn't go this way because of how it affected me. God put his selfishness aside and said, I know I'm not going to get what I want 100% of the time. But God is the opposite of selfish. That's why he gave us free will. He gives us the choice. He gives us opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. They impose their selfishness and the selfishness of the past kings and kingdoms of the earth onto God. There's no way God could conquer this world with love because all the other kings of the earth had conquered it with hate yep. and fear. So there's no way that God who created the universe did it with love through his son, Jesus. There's no way. I don't believe that. Why? Because all the kings of the earth, all the stories, all the sinful kingdoms and kings who have come before us did not display the love of the perfect Mm -hmm. love that God has for us. And it's because Christianity is a complete... If I could have worded it a little better, I'm not going to finish it off, Dad. But it's what we talked about in our first podcast. Christianity is a counterculture. And I had a lot of people ask me, what's counterculture? It just means the opposite, right? We're going the opposite way. We do things differently. Like our idea of success is not the world's idea of success. Our idea of um, getting things done is not the same. I saw a video of Andrew Tate on a podcast talking about how Christianity is weak and it's like lost its power. He said, I'll prove it to you. You can walk outside right now and say, and say something blasphemous. Like he's, I think he said like F God or something like that, but he said the word, right? And he said, you could go outside here in Texas or wherever, maybe not Texas. Okay. But wherever in the world and no, nothing will happen to you. He said, go to an Islamic country and say something about Allah you will not make it out of that country alive. He says, that proves Christianity is weak. And I was like, y- y- you don't know what you're talking about. Just because we don't rule with an iron fist doesn't mean that, it, that we're weak. To me, the Bible says this of Jesus, that he was meek, right? Meek 
is strength under control. That's what it is. I am, it's not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It is strength under control. I have all power and authority to do whatever the heck I want, but I choose not to because I love you. The most powerful thing I've come to realize someone can do is what the disciples did and Jesus, what Jesus did and then was showed in the disciples being crucified on behalf of somebody else. Right. Having the ability to get out of it, but enduring something for somebody else like the apostles did when they were, they said, deny Jesus or be crucified. And they were crucified on behalf of the name of Jesus. Like my parents made millions of sacrifices that I will never know to this day. Right. And they don't tell me because it's not about let's get even. It's about, I love you. Mm -hmm. So this is why I sacrifice all that. That is the most powerful thing on the earth is selfless love that goes unnoticed for the sake of the other individual. Exactly. It's it's more powerful than ruling with an iron fist, going in, being brute and showing your force on your your, your chest and your, in your face and doing it with action. That's not as powerful as the God will one day he's letting you live this way. But one day he also will be judged and he will, you will have to answer for that. And that day is going to be a lot more scary than the punishment from shouting F God in the streets. Yeah. That punishment is going to be, that's going to be way scarier day, way scarier day than you doing that. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, and that's because at the end of the day, all roads do lead to heaven. You know, people will go, do all roads lead to heaven? Yeah. Straight to the great white throne judgment. Amen, brother. That's where they all go. All roads, I don't care what religion you are a part of, they all lead one place, straight to the great white throne judgment, where you find out, do you, or literally, it's not, it's not an inspection of your life, it's not an inspection of your deeds, it's not how many dollars and cents did you give, how many, how many hours did you donate to a charity or whatever, it's all, do you have the blood or do you not? That's why, let me go into this real quick, the last plague uh, that God sent on the people of Egypt when they refused, Pharaoh refused to let the people of uh, of Israel go, right? The last plague was the death angel. And the Lord told the Moses this to tell all the Hebrew people. He says, take a lamb, spotless lamb, and apply its blood to your doorpost. Get your family inside the house. And when the death angel comes, he will look and see, does your doorpost have the blood of a spotless lamb or does it not? The death angel comes and he begins to inspect. Do you have the blood or do you not? He doesn't go in the house and say, are you righteous? Are you righteous? Are you righteous? Are you righteous? He doesn't inspect the people in the house. He inspects the blood. The only question of if you survived the death angel was do you have the blood or do you not? Because that was a foreshadowing of the one true spotless lamb. Yeah. Who we who ultimately would be this the sufficient sacrifice for death to pass over our life. And at the end of the day, at that great white throne judgment, the question won't be, are you in and of yourself righteous? It's do you have the blood of Jesus or do you not? That's the question. This was good. I uh we thank you for coming on, brother. Oh, thank you for having me. It was me, so bro. good. Was such a privilege. If y'all we uh, have some exciting stuff. We're planning to get Keenan on regularly now. Um, more regularly, whenever we're in Angelo, whenever I'm in Angelo, regularly get Keenan on the podcast so y'all can expect more of Keenan. He's here to, to stay for the near future. Come on. So we're pumped about that. Um, we pray this video blessed you. We hope you share it with a friend, somebody you know who needs to be encouraged. Um, please send it to him. We know um, God's going to use you personally. Amen. 
to, yeah. to impact people's lives. And if we can be a tool, a resource, Christian podcast and resource in our Instagram bio, let us be that. Send this to a friend and we hope it blesses you. So Amen. we will see you on the next episode. God bless.